This is the Reading Instruction Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. Today, we are talking about vocabulary, word knowledge, words, and neural pathways. Now, our brains are basically memory machines. Everything we have ever experienced or encountered is stored in long-term memory in some form. Now, it's not a matter of putting it in there, of encoding it, Rather, it's a matter of getting it out of there or retrieval. If we encounter a word only once, either in print or hearing it, that word is most likely buried in our long-term memory. Retrieval will be difficult because the neural pathways related to that word don't have a chance to develop and connect. Since retrieval is difficult for all practical purposes, we have forgotten that word. But the more times we encounter a word, either hearing it, using it, seeing it in print, the more developed that pathway becomes and the easier it is to retrieve it from long-term memory. And if that word becomes associated with things, neural networks form, providing multiple pathways to that word retrieval becomes easier. Now, when we encounter that word in print, we need only minimal clues to recognize it. <clears throat> For skillful readers, the vast majority of the words we read have already been encountered before, either in verbal or written form, and are stored in our long-term memory. We use our various cueing systems, the semantic, syntactic, and phonological, to instantly provide access to these words as we are reading. But here is an important point. Words are encoded and stored in long-term memory primarily around meaning, not around letter patterns. For example, when you hear the word cat, all sorts of Cat things, things we associated, associate with cats, instantly come to mind. Pet, furry, cat food, paws, puff, purr, etc. You do not instantly associate the word cat with short A words. You don't believe me? Try an experiment. First, have a friend give you a noun at random. Now, without thinking, write down the first thing that pops into your mind in the first 10 seconds. You most likely are able to quickly identify four or five associations. This means in the cognitive web in your head, these things are connected or stored together. Now, for the second part of this experiment, have your friend give you a diagraph or a diphthong, a vowel, a letter pattern, or a phonogram at random. Then, <clears throat> Quickly write down the first things that come to mind. Chances are that after one word, you'll have to stop and think. The images and words related to a letter or letter pattern do not come quickly. Why? Again, we tend to encode and store words according to meaning, not letter patterns. We create schemata based on ideas and related experiences, not letter patterns. Our brains naturally seek order and try to create meaning. This is another reason why a cueing system based on meaning, semantics, is the most efficient cueing systems, followed by syntax, 
tactics. A phonological cueing system is the least efficient. A meaning-based approach to reading instruction is effective. Now, why do we attend to vocabulary? Why is it important to attend to students' word knowledge? First, word knowledge or vocabulary enhances the development of students' emergent reading skills. Second, word knowledge enhances reading fluency and comprehension. Third, vocabulary is strongly associated with concept learning. And fourth, words help us think. They are tools for thought used to manipulate, to represent, and to extend our thinking, as Vygotsky told us long ago. Now let's take a look at word learning. Children learn between 3,000 and 4,000 words a year. By the end of elementary school, they know approximately 25,000 words. And by the end of high school, depending on the research, approximately 50,000 to 80,000 words. Now the question I put unto you, how do they learn these words? Do they learn them from vocabulary worksheets? Do they learn them by looking them up and writing down the definition? Do they learn them as a result of direct instruction? Well, let's do the math. We will use the more conservative estimate of 3,000 words a year. The average school year consists of about 180 days. If each of these days were in an instructional day, this would mean that children would need to have a vocabulary worksheet with 17 new words on them each day. They would have to learn 85 new words a week or 340 words a month. Now that's a lot of vocabulary worksheets, dictionary activities, and direct instruction. It does not seem even remotely feasible that children can effectively learn new words this way. So how do children learn words? That is the big question, isn't it? We human beings learn the vast majority of our words naturally by encountering them in meaningful contexts. Throughout our lives, we continue to learn new words this way. The more words we encounter in meaningful contexts, the more words we learn. Thus, the best and most effective way to improve students' vocabulary is through wide reading and exposure. Now let's take a look at the levels and types of word knowledge. As mentioned, about, as mentioned before, we know words at varying levels. At the lowest level, we have a sense of what the word might be related to. At the next level, we understand a word when it's seen or heard in the context of the sentence. And at the highest level, we fully understand the word in all dimensions. And we can generate our own definitions and we can use the word in many contexts. These levels of word knowledge help us understand four different types of vocabulary. First is what's called a listening vocabulary. This consists of words that we hear and understand in conversations. Second, we have a speaking vocabulary. This consists of the words we use in formal and informal conversations. We understand more words in context than we're able to use. 
The third one is our reading vocabulary. This consists of words we're able to recognize as we read. Most children enter school with very few words in their reading vocabulary. As they develop word identification skills, this number increases rapidly. Now, to the greatest extent possible, the words that emergent and beginning readers encounter in text should be words that they already know. Then our writing vocabulary consists of the words we use to express ourselves in written form. This is smaller than our reading vocabulary. However, again, once we have fully developed our word identification skills, our receiving vocabularies, our listening and reading vocabularies, are fairly similar as our transmission vocabularies, our speaking and writing. Now, some general principles for developing students' vocabulary. While effective vocabulary instruction has some elements of formal instruction, it should primarily be built upon how we naturally learn new words. So in this sense, we don't teach vocabulary. Instead, we create the conditions that enable students to develop their knowledge of words. So, described here are seven general principles to guide in the development of the student's uh, vocabulary. I'll be looking at specific strategies in a, another podcast. But first, number one, promote wide reading. It should be more than a little obvious by now that wide reading is the most effective way to learn new words. Setting aside 10 to 20 minutes a day for silent, sustained, self-selected reading is a simple, effective, inexpensive, research-based strategy that can be used in all settings and at all levels. Wide reading includes teacher read-alouds. Reading aloud to students every day, even for five minutes, has many benefits, including exposing students to new words, modeling syntax and sentence structure, and introducing students to a variety of authors, genre, and topics. The second general principle is model sophisticated word usage. Teacher modeling of new words enables students to learn new words incidentally in authentic contexts, as well as developing word consciousness. Now, as a teacher, simply becoming aware of the words you use and trying to infuse more sophisticated words into your classroom language can be helpful in enhancing students' vocabulary. The third is provide contextual and definitional information. Now, when you introduce new words, provide both contextual and definitional information. This means students should always see or hear a new word in the context of a sentence. So first ask students to use context information to make a recent guess. What do you think that word means or is? Then provide a definition using what I call kid language. Kid language means that you use words and concepts that are within students' experiences. It doesn't do much good to provide a dictionary definition if that definition includes more unfamiliar words and concepts. So the fourth principle is connect new to the known. When you're introducing a new word or concept, I always try to link new words to known words and concepts. 
and five multiple exposures. An initial exposure does very little to move a new word into students' vocabulary. Students need to encounter new words many times in a variety of contexts over time. The sixth one, promote active, in-depth processing of words. New words can be learned deeply by employing activities that involve active processing. Now, there are three levels of active processing. The associate level is where students make connections between one word and another through synonyms and association. The comprehension level is where students demonstrate their understanding of a word. This can be done by categorizing words or sets of words, filling in a deleted word from a sentence, or connecting a word with the correct definition. And the third one, the generational level, is where students use words in a new way. Here students provide a definition using their own words or use the word in authentic writing or speaking activities. And the seventh principle is connect word learning to concept learning. One of the best places for addressing vocabulary is when learning new concepts in science, social studies, or across the curriculum. So when teaching new concepts, introduce vocabulary. Use diagrams and semantic maps or other forms of graphic organizers. This enables students to perceive the relatedness and interrelatedness of the new words and concepts they see. So this has been the Reading Instruction Show. I'll be looking at some specific vocabulary activities in another podcast.